Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hey, welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. Today, we will be talking about something that might resonate with you. You might see it in yourself and or see it in others. Today, we'll be talking about sweetness and niceness, being the nice guy, being the nice girl, and how that can be a good and or not so great thing. And we'll get into how this can show up in your life and the upsides and the downsides of it. Okay, tell me if any of these sound familiar to you, if you've done any of the following, (laughs) no judging whatsoever. So let's say that you're talking to an acquaintance or a friend and you're like, oh my gosh, I miss you so much, let's hang out. I totally would love to hang out but you really wouldn't actually love to hang out. Or let's say that somebody did something that was a little sketch, wasn't that great. No, 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 that's totally fine. That's, you're still a great person or no big deal. It really was no big deal, seriously. Or you just brushed off because that's a polite thing to do or you don't wanna make him feel bad or you're just trying to be nice and fun and carefree and easygoing. But maybe you should have spoken up and said maybe they crossed the line. Whatever instance that just, maybe happens to us and maybe makes us feel a certain kind of way. Maybe we really don't like it when others do it to us. And just overall lack of authenticity happens all the time. And that, and so that's kind of part of what we're talking about today. Pretty much our whole lives were told to be good, to be nice. It's good to be kind, to say nice things, right? And while that is true to an extent, there is a limit, there is an extent, there is a boundary there. And we sometimes suffer if we are too nice or too sweet. And we'll talk about the distinction and it's a great distinction and a good way to determine if it's a good nice or a not so great nice. Okay, ready to get into it? So think about you and your view on it. Do you equate being sweet with being a good person? So we all know sweethearts in our lives, right? Those people who are just unfailingly sweet. They just say the sweetest things, they're always complimenting you, or everything that they say or do is just sweet. It's just nice and just oozes sweetness. And it's so easy to equate that with being a good person or being nice. And authenticity is a key phrase in this, but we just really usually just equate sweetness with niceness and goodness, right? I mean, I personally know people who are sugar sweet, but the niceness ends there. And then people who are not sweet per se, or or even like downright salty, (laughs) but would literally give you the shirt off their back. And so here's how it can be problematic when we equate sweetness with niceness. We limit ourselves. We just operate on one dimension and we're not accommodating the full spectrum of emotions that we as humans have. I mean, it's natural. Emotions don't make you a good or bad person. Emotions are messengers. They're giving you information about your psyche and your boundaries or what boundaries you should have. 
areas where you might need some healing, areas where you maybe need to step up or step back, areas where you need to focus, they're for a reason. And so when we repress those, that's no good. And that only does a disservice to us and others. And we'll get into that in a bit. So we limit ourselves. We also are more likely to misjudge people and miss out on meaningful connections. And it really keeps us in the shallows. It really prohibits depth when we stay on the surface. So let's say that we view people, let's say somebody is really nice to us or just showers us in compliments. It's easy to think, oh my gosh, they think that I am all that. They think that I am just the best thing ever. Maybe they're genuine and maybe they're not. And so that's one way that you can misjudge people and or misjudge people. Sometimes they say, oh yes, I would love to do that. You ask them to do a favor for you. And they're like, oh yes, absolutely. Yes, I would love to. Maybe they're operating from a fear of disappointing you or letting you down. Maybe that's trauma-based. I mean, we could get into that and go deep with that, but you're maybe missing a cue. Maybe they really don't want to do it and they're operating out of their boundaries and they're too scared to set a boundary. And although it is ultimately their job to set boundaries, it's not always yours, but also we can misjudge people and think, oh yeah, they're happy to do it when maybe they aren't. And so it's really good to empathize and really to clue in and try to connect with people and see maybe their body language or other cues can clue you into how they actually feel because we don't want to take advantage of people. And again, it's their job to vocalize and to speak up for themselves but still I mean we want to meet them as far as we can right and I mean in line with that we misperceive others and maybe think they're mad when they're not just because we're too scared to assert our boundaries we project onto others and think that they're too scared to protect their theirs or if we operate always on this that surface level and that sweetness level where that's the only social socially acceptable way to communicate is to be nice and to be sweet. We're not really connecting with others. We don't really know how people feel. We're just operating with masks. So we really don't know if someone is upset. And so if we don't really know if they are, if no one's being genuine or authentic, if they're just always being sweet, because that's the only socially acceptable way. If you're writing an email and you're you feel compelled to use all these exclamation points because you don't want to come across as a jerk that's part of it. If when you're texting or you're talking, you always feel the need to be like, oh yes, absolutely, of course. And you never feel like you can speak directly or speak truly or authentically. A, you're not able to connect with people and B, your needs aren't going to be met. C, that's going to mislead people. D, you're going to misunderstand people too, because you're not going to necessarily know if sometimes you can if you're really dialed into people but you're not going to really know how often how they actually feel and so a lot of miscommunication a lot of resentment a lot of misunderstandings all of that can just come into play and create a storm and just really block true connection from people and it's also a good way to be taken advantage of because you can perceive people to be well-intentioned when they're not because oh they sound he sounded like such a nice guy she sounded like such a nice girl and then it's easy for them to take advantage of you because they're relying on you to perceive that sweetness as their goodness he not so great and then yeah i mean in vain with what i've already said we inhibit we inhibit authenticity And so I think respect and authenticity are better goals and gauges. I mean, if you're going for respect 
instead of just hopefully you have your self-respect and that's what you seek first but going for respect and authenticity rather than approval or social approval and social acceptance because those are sometimes so superficially based when we pretend to be so laid back and chill all the time that can lead us to internalize things nobody well i shouldn't say nobody there are a lot of people in this world but overall we're humans like i said we have emotions we're not going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time even the people with the sunniest dispositions and so unless you're on some major and highly effective medications you are going to have emotions you're not going to be flying high all the time and so you have to hold space for your own emotions and for other people's emotions and when you're holding in your own negative emotions that naturally rise up in your daily life because you're, you're a human you're going to internalize those and what happens from that depression anxiety addiction not great things right so that's why you got to feel those feelings and honor there's a way to respectfully honor them and communicate them for yourself and others but the important thing is to let them air and let them breathe also when you repress what you repress just persists right what you resist persists and so it's going to come out usually in a more explosive way because usually it's festered and so you're periodically going to act out because those emotions, their energy and energy has to go somewhere. It doesn't just disappear. And so it's going to come out in different ways. Maybe emotional eating, maybe, maybe emotional spending, maybe raging at your kids or your partner, maybe just going on binges or acting out emotionally in other ways. It's going to come out. And you might have noticed a pattern in yourself where you repress, you repress, you repress because you don't feel like you can express yourself or communicate your feelings your your emotions and then you act out and then you feel guilty and so bad about yourself and then you apologize but then that pattern continues and self-criticism is another downside to being too sweet and authentically and nice all the time because you're going to criticize yourself most likely and also others too criticism really plays a role in this because especially in the community i feel that i grew up in there's that unspoken expectation to be nice and to be sweet. And it just masks and disguises a lot of times people's true feelings. And if you're not expressing yourself authentically, resentment builds and criticism builds and judgment builds. And so you're more likely to be more self-critical and critical of others and just to monitor people and judge how they act, what they say, what they do. And especially if they don't step into line and speak in the socially acceptable way, it's easy to highlight people and judge people for that. Like, how dare they be authentic? Don't they know how we're supposed to talk? Don't they know that we're supposed to, I mean, be passive aggressive at the worst, like the rest of us. I mean, don't come out and say what you feel. Who does that? But I love when people speak directly and when they actually express themselves if they're upset with me, I love if they express that. There's a way to respectfully do it. But I think that's so refreshing if people disagree with me. Not that I love all the time when people disagree with me, but I find it refreshing when people feel that they can do that and they have a strong enough sense of self that they can do that and or they have a strong enough sense of truth that they know that they can do that and to be authentic and true to themselves. I love that. And like I said, resentment builds when you're too sweet and too nice all the time and that doesn't feel true to you, 
resentment will build and because you have those repressed emotions and they just are going to fester and fester and fester and simmer and simmer and simmer and especially then you start to slip into martyrdom and feel like a martyr and feel like you're always the one putting others first and you're always the one that's give give giving and it's really easy to just resent people and that doesn't come from a true place and that's why Brene Brown is such an advocate for boundaries because in her research she had found that the most compassionate people are the most boundaried people when I first heard that I thought how wild and off that sounded that just didn't sound right and then I listened to her and that was her initial reaction too and then she dug into it and researched it more and found that's absolutely the case. That's because boundaries preclude usually resentment because if you have strong boundaries and are true to yourself and are dialed into yourself, then you're not getting all your goodwill and niceness are sucked out of you and you're able to stay true to yourself and stay true to your values and you're able to actually stand up for yourself and you're able to you don't feel so depleted because when you're give, give, giving without boundaries and you're not saying no when you should, and you're saying yes when you feel you should be saying no, that's sucking up so much energy. And so when you're able to save that and save that for what really matters to you and stay authentic and true to you, you're saving your energy and you're not letting resentment creep in. And that's everything that's crucial especially when you feel like you need people to recognize your efforts people won't always people are consumed and distracted with their own inner lives and outer lives and so you got to self-advocate and that's one of my biggest life lessons that I have learned is to self-advocate and to not self-abandon and we'll get into self-abandonment here in a bit but it's important to speak up for yourself and to not expect others to recognize your efforts and to see that you're a martyr, that you're just such a giver. And I've referenced this in the past, but I'll say it again here. It's interesting because not to say that you yourself are not a giver, but get a load of this. So a while ago, I had posed some questions on my Instagram asking people, I did a poll, how many of you consider yourself a giver? Like overall, do you give more or take more? Consider yourself a giver. I think it was like 80% people said that they were givers. And then the next question I asked, how would you generally rate people overall? Would you say that they're more givers or more takers? Far and away, I think it was like 80% again said they're takers. So other people are takers. I'm a giver. Most people are takers. And so 80% of people said that they were givers. And then 80% said that others were takers. And so the math didn't add up. And so you can see how sometimes you can misperceive yourself, especially if you don't have boundaries because you are kind of caught up in that, I'm such a giver, I'm such a martyr, because you don't have boundaries and you just feel like you're just being sucked dry and giving, 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 and others are taking, taking, taking. But when you have boundaries, you're able to protect that. And so that's why it's so important to have boundaries. And you go into burnout too, man. Like if you are giving, giving, giving too, and not standing up for yourself and saying yes to everything that's asked of you, especially when you don't want to do it, that leaves you no time and energy and resources for things that actually fulfill you, to fill your cup and to recharge you. And then you're just a shell of a person just catering to other people's needs. And that's not fair to you and that's not fair to others either because you're not able to show fully as yourself and contribute all that you could contribute. You're not able to be your authentic self and to contribute your full voice and what all you can give. And also, I mean, that's a crappy way to live too if you're not fulfilled and you're always just catering to other people's needs and wants. And let's talk about relationships. 
So if you're not speaking your truth in relationships and being authentic and just always feeling the need to go with the flow and to not resist and to say yes to everything, to not be difficult or challenging, that's when self-abandonment comes in. Your needs and your wants matter. You have needs and wants. Everybody does. So first you got to figure those out and then work on feeling comfortable and confident enough to assert those. And there's a respectful way to do it and doesn't mean that it's all or nothing. It's not zero sum. It's not, okay, either my needs are met or yours are. You need to communicate with your partner and figure out ways that you can accommodate each other because it's a partnership, right? And so also, if you're not speaking authentically and acting authentically, you're not able to truly connect to others, like I said earlier, and that especially comes into play in relationships, and you're not able to truly communicate, and you're operating on that surface level, and you're not able to actually even... If your goal is to meet their meet their wants and wishes, you're not able to truly because you're not really actually connecting. And then that just really dilutes your relationship and your connection. And then let's talk about passive aggression. I mean, be honest, are you passive aggressive? Can you be? Everybody can be, but just overall, is that kind of your MO because you don't feel comfortable asserting your needs or if you're upset with somebody? Somebody did or said something. And sometimes that can be a tricky balance knowing when to let things go, right? Because sometimes you're like, well, no, that actually was a crossed boundary. Like they really crossed a line when they said that. And sometimes it's like, well, no, in the broad scheme of things, that's really not a big deal. And so sometimes that can be a little bit of a tug of war, trying to determine when to speak up and when to let it go. And so sometimes I feel like that's just a lifelong journey figuring that out. Some people are just naturally good at that. But it's important to actually directly communicate. If somebody did cross a line with you, and speak up. Or if you're advocating on behalf of someone else, sometimes that can be even trickier to know when to butt in and when to butt out. But sometimes there are some big issues if somebody's being abused right in front of you. I mean, usually want to step in. But other situations like that, if you're advocating for work conditions or a raise at work or within your family or your partnership or your kids, if something bothers you, there's a way to frame it and there's a way to respectfully communicate that. And you don't need to project or point fingers. I mean, usually if you're leading with blame, that's usually a way to really ignite a fight. But if you're taking responsibility for your feelings, I mean, you're responsible not necessarily for your emotions, but you're responsible for your reactions. And so that's very important. But passive aggression happens a lot. And it's not fun to be on the other end of that, right? I mean, it can just grate on you. And it's just like, just say what you want to say. And so if you find yourself being passive aggressive, that's a good place to start. That's a good place to check in with yourself. Back to relationships can really halt or really make relationships stale because, I mean, you don't have that deeper connection that you could have. You're not really honestly communicating. That's really affecting intimacy. And this goes for friendships too. I mean, this isn't just romantic relationships and familial relationships relationships this goes for relationships in general and later life regrets so i have what i think i would say one of my biggest regrets in life is just not self-advocating and i just don't want you to get too far along in your life and be like yeah i really wish i would have spoken up for myself or looked along your life and been like hmm i really could have felt more fulfilled all this time or my my life could have taken on a different trajectory and this gets into the conversation of agency versus fate versus free will all of that but not getting off into that tangent I mean 
I would hope that you would look back on your life and feel good about living your true, authentic self, speaking up for yourself. It matters. It really does matter. Especially things like at work that I wish I would have spoken up more for. I'm in relationships. I did a lot of self-abandonment. And you learn. And you learn as you go. And I think that's the key is to always just not see yourself as a project and something that constantly needs to be healed. I feel like that can be a dangerous and pathological mindset. Just seeing yourself as a problem to be fixed. But I think there's value also in just striving to be the best that you can, your highest self, and giving yourself grace and accepting yourself as is. I think that's the key, but then also just wanting to be the best that you can. That's it. Just be the best that you can while still loving and accepting yourself as you are. And I came across a Psychology Today article, and I really liked how they distinguished. And so, like they say, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't be nice. This doesn't mean that you should go out and be a raging butthead. Not at all. No, no, no. Let's still try to be good, nice people but not at the detriment and compromise of our own values. And so here's where they draw the distinction. There's a difference between a values-driven life and an anxiety-driven one. So a values-driven life comes out of your values, your core beliefs as an adult of how to be with others or as a kid too. So you're kind and you're considerate and you can see that we're all humans and we're all doing the best that we can with what we have right now. And you treat others the way that they would like to be treated not just the way that you would like to be treated, but also empathizing and considering how they would like to be treated. And you do things not because you should, not because you feel obligated or you'd feel guilty otherwise, but because that's what you want to do. It aligns with your values. And along with this, you can say no, you can draw your boundaries, you can take care of yourself as well as of others, and you can be assertive and self-advocate and honest. Honesty is so important to me. I truly believe that you can always, always be honest. There's always a way to communicate honestly and not even rely on those white lies. And you can do so respectfully and still kindly. I feel like, I don't know, I'm a big believer in honesty. And I feel like honesty is the ultimate kindness. And it doesn't mean that you have to be aggressive or hurtful. And life can be as win-win as much as possible. So let's contrast that with the anxiety-driven life. So the anxiety-driven life makes being nice a way of managing anxiety. It's not because you want to or because it aligns with your values that you're being nice. It's to manage your anxiety and to avoid or try to mitigate that anxiety. So you learn to be nice and sweet as a way of avoiding conflict and confrontation that you can't tolerate, a stance that... I'm happy if you're happy, all to make you happy. I don't want to upset you. I don't want to piss you off. Meaning I have to do whatever it takes to not piss you off. What I think it will take to not piss you off or to make you upset or irritated. So when this happens, you're not speaking up. You're not saying no. You're not being honest. You're not being assertive. You're not self-advocating. And that's because of your own fear. So it's less about a value of how to treat people and more of a psychological armor to protect you from what seems to be a scary world. And so you can see that distinction between a value-driven life and an anxiety-driven life. And if that's you, give yourself a break. Give yourself some grace because that comes from somewhere. That's because of something, often because of trauma or because of attachment issues growing up in your formative years. It's not a flaw, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something about it. And there's that word should, but you'll live a much more fulfilled and happy life if you're not just constantly pandering and catering to others. So what should we do about it? What are some steps that we can take? So, and this is citing that Psychology Today article again, they offered some really good guidance. So first one, slow down to realize how you really feel. Check in with yourself. And that's a 
big premise behind the nativist in general is just intuitive living and intentional living and being dialed in to yourself and united with yourself so you know how you're feeling why you're feeling it you're really connected to yourself so if you're always nice and you're just suppressing just automatically leaning on yes of course i'll do it yes i would love to yes and being just so sweet all the time instead of honest and always saying yes and raising your hand and volunteering then you're blocking what you truly want and this can easily easily morph into you just not even knowing what you want. You become so out of touch with yourself and what you want. So the first step is to just check in with yourself. And it's sometimes a little tricky to get over that first hump of overcoming that initial reaction to say yes, or, you know, when you start to fulfill that urge to be sweet or nice, practice that pause if you can. And it's a muscle and it'll get better the more you exercise it. The next one is practice saying no. And this is big. So sure, it can be as much as not raising your hand, but literally and figuratively, but let's take it a step further than that. So it's about setting boundaries. So if somebody asks you to do something, let's say that somebody asks you to do a job for free, or somebody asks you to volunteer for a bake sale or whatever it is, and you don't have time or you don't want to, you have every right to say no. That does not make you a bad person. And sometimes people, and I won't say everybody does this, but sometimes people count on your niceness because they know that you will say nice and you won't say no. And so that's not fair. And not everybody's out to take advantage of you. I feel like that can spin you off into another direction where you always have a chip on your shoulder and view everybody as an enemy trying to take advantage of you. That's not it either. We don't want to go down that road either. But it's good to be aware that some people do and it's good to be aware that you just have to practice and honor your boundaries and respect those boundaries. So practice saying no. Ideally, you would do so in person or like over a phone call if that's too much to you. It's not required by any means. It's just enough to leave a voicemail or a text or just get it done. That's all you have to do. So next, use your anger as information. Like I said, emotions are signals. They are information. So when you feel angry or irritated or resentful, dial into that. Say, okay, so what is this emotion telling me? And it's information, it's data telling you what you need, what you don't like, what you may want. So then that can guide you and align you and orient you to where to speak up. Next, practice being more honest, honesty, honesty, honesty. So it's essentially what setting boundaries is all about. And I love how this article says honesty is also the driver of intimacy. So it really gets you out of that superficial base level talk and really gets you into the depths. And that's where the good stuff is. And that's where you can really connect and get to know each other. And yes, again, check in with your body. So use your symptoms as tools to let you know when you're overextended. So don't just say, oh, well, I'm burned out or, you know, not even go there. Just keep going and going and going for fear. If you stop, then you won't be able to start again. That burnout is telling you something. And I love, I was talking to my sister, I think it was last week, it was recently. And I was just telling her how just kind of burned out and tired I'd felt I just kind of felt a little a lot lethargic you know and just wanting to just kind of chill and to just be and I love how she put it and she's like you're tired for a reason so you're not wanting to do anything for a reason so what is that telling you I love it. it was just a reframe just a slight reframe that really clarified it and put it into perspective for me so use your symptoms as tools to let you know when you need to maybe step off or step back or put up boundaries it's not time to just apologize or recover and go but i mean to actively put a boundary and lastly 
push back against the critical voices. I'm mainly talking about those internal critical voices. I think it's key to just expect your critical voices to just go ham in your head. (laughs) They'll likely tell you just what a piece of crap you are and how awful of a person you are. So expect that, expect that, so then you can withstand that. They'll go crazy as soon as you start asserting your boundaries or speak up for yourself or start being honest. And you'll feel guilty and feel anxious. You'll feel like you're the worst person in the world. But that's a good thing. View that as encouraging. View that as a sign that you're on the right track. Sometimes it's it's key because you don't want to be so out of touch with those voices that you can kind of maybe slide into being a butthead and so you're out of touch with those critical voices and maybe you do cross the line because we're all going to miss up in our lives and so it's important to be able to level with yourself and have some tough love and check yourself and be like yeah that was out of line I love you but that was out of line do better be better so you don't want to be so out of touch with yourself that you just override those and that you're like no no no, I'm a good person so it's striking that balance between being able to level with yourself and check yourself but also not drag yourself down into unnecessary unwarranted self-criticism hopefully this gave you some food for thought hopefully you think about maybe how you're showing up in the world and give yourself grace and other people grace too. And there's a quote that I recently posted and I want to read it now. And it's kind of a gut punch to thinking about this. And I found it on Instagram and the account is at Haley Page McGee, H-A-I-L-E-Y-P-A-I-G-E-M-A-G-E-E. And here's what she said. So I'll first read the post and then I'll read the caption. So she said, hard truth. It's not polite to pretend to be something you're not in order to win another's attention or affection. It's dishonest and at its core, manipulative. Think about that. It's dishonest and at its core, manipulative. And she's not wrong. If you really think about it, might not be your intent, but she's not wrong. So here's what her caption said. So she acknowledges it's oof. And then she says, this is one of the more painful realizations of the codependency recovery journey. As I've spoken about on here before, when we go out of our way to act extra nice or extra generous or extra whatever in order to get others to like us, we're not really being real. We're actors putting on performances. It's a transaction, really. If I'm super nice and accommodating and reduce my needs to the size of pinpricks or dust mites or single-celled organisms, you'll like me more, right? But these transactions are based in fear. That's what we talked about earlier. Rarely is the true goal of our false positivity or false acceptance to make the other person happy. More often than not, the goal is to reduce our own fear of being disliked, of not being enough. It's hard because many of us were taught this way of behaving in childhood by distant or unaffectionate parents. We may have learned that the only way to get attention And as a child, attention equals safety, was to be the goofy one, the responsible one, the giving one, or the accommodating one. In adulthood, it's hard to let this pattern go, but it's something we must do if we ever hope to experience genuine and authentic relationships with others. Man, truth bomb. And that really resonates with me too, and that was what drove my codependency too, and there are different types of codependency. And that's what it is at the core is codependency. If you're just so reliant on being nice and saying yes and being sweet and going the extra mile. And there's value in that. There's value in losing yourself in service to an extent, I guess I should say. Not lose yourself. You can't abandon yourself. 
that's when it becomes problematic. But when you can put others before self, but there has to be a boundary or else you're going to be so spent that you can't further serve anybody anymore. Like they say, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. And I was really thinking about this recently when someone had a friend asked me to do something and to go out of my way. It was literally out of my way. And my past initial reaction would be, yes, absolutely, of course, because A, I want to help. I want to be a good person. That aligns with my values. And B, I want to do the right thing. But then also part of my codependency is wanting to feel needed, wanting to feel needed and valued, but wanting to feel needed like I'm needed. And I was thinking, and this goes even deeper into it, that was why like just growing up too, what I learned, if you're needed, then that's kind of your access pass. If you don't truly at your core feel like you're worthy of like love or acceptance or any of that, then it can feel like being needed is your access pass to friendships, to the in circle, to all of that. And so that's why it's so easy to always want to feel needed. And then like when people ask you to do things, you don't want to say no because you love that you are needed. And they ask you and you want to step up and serve them. And it's not all because of that anxiety, but a lot of it is. And then when we're doing that, we can also unintentionally enable people. We can get taken advantage of. We can lose ourselves and abandon ourselves. Like, And selfish, I think, gets a bad rap. And again... Sometimes it's just a pendulum swing. So let's say that you're too far on one side of the spectrum of losing yourself and self-abandoning and putting others first over and over and over and over. So you're on that side of the spectrum. So you need that pendulum swing to get you back to center. And sometimes, you know, pendulum swing, that's why they call it that. It swings to the opposite end first before it stabilizes. And so sometimes you got to swing back the other way and be a little selfish and say no more than you would want to or eventually need to. And so just to get back to center and to good, sometimes you got to be selfish. And so it's something to think about. And being honest, there's a way to be kind and honest. Those aren't mutually exclusive. So I hope you think about this and I hope you find the courage to, and give yourself a break if you're not there yet or if it's still a journey, but eventually get to the point where you feel comfortable asserting your boundaries. And speaking of pendulum swings, sometimes it can be too easy to set boundaries. And I've been there and I'm kind of coming out of that where it's a little too easy. So again, like I think the sweet spot is in the middle, in the center. Balance, right? Say it over and over again. It's the key to life. But I mean, when I'm eating something, I don't want it like saccharine and way too sickly sweet. And that's why I am a big fan of sweet and salty. I love that contrast. I just, I like when things are balanced and just like with your food. I mean, some people like to just eat straight sugar, but I prefer to have a little bit more balance. And so you too, you're a human. So let yourself be a human. Let others be humans too. And this goes into letting others assert their boundaries too. And if we take it personal when they assert their boundaries, that's something that we need to check into with ourselves. It's not on them. It's on us to respect boundaries too. It's not just setting boundaries. It's also receiving boundaries. And that's part of the gig too. And I know I personally can tell when people are trying to treat me with kid gloves. And part of it is just trusting and respecting people enough to be just straight forward with them and not trying to protect their feelings because people can feel when they're being handled. I personally loathe that feeling. I can tell and I'm just like, I'm a big girl. I can handle it. 
come at me straight. It's great. I mean, it doesn't mean that you need to come at me aggressively, but even if you do, I can handle it. And some people, I mean, you just got to respect them as humans too. doesn't mean that you need to be aggressive or rude or unkind about it, but don't try to tiptoe around it. I mean, that just fuels the awkwardness actually and makes it worse and just amplifies it instead of actually just being straightforward and making a clean cut instead of just making it messy and drying it out. That makes it so much worse. Just be honest. And I've actually found the older I've gotten, the less sweet I've become, but also the less selfish I've been and I've become because I'm better at drawing those boundaries. And I can tell sometimes it throws people if I don't flower it up, whatever I'm saying in an email or a text or just face to face with the exclamation marks and the sweet words and the, oh no, I'm sorry. Like I've really tried to be intentional about not apologizing unnecessarily. I'm not going to apologize for something I didn't do or there's, you hear that a lot. People just saying sorry for things that they shouldn't be sorry for, just the slightest thing. And I just really try to be intentional about that. And also I want my apologies to be more impactful. I want to be more intentional. And that's what it's about, I think, is just living intentionally and in every way. Living intentionally aligned with your values instead of your anxieties and your fears. Living intentionally connected to yourself so you can connect to others more fully and just more intentionally all around. And I'm really interested in how this varies gender to gender too, how people feel more pressured to be sweet, like if females feel more pressured to be sweet as opposed to males. So just something to think about. I'd love to hear your feedback on that, but I think the overall message here is just to live intentionally, live with more intention. So I love you all and I mean that authentically. Thanks for listening.